Hello, I'm Cahal Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 43, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. With the EPA water quality report released recently and signs of water quality deteriorating, what impact is farming having on our waters? Jenny Deacon, manager of the Catchment Science and Management Unit in the EPA, joins us to discuss the good and the bad in the report. Can you explain a little bit what the EPA water quality report just released is and how it compares with the last or the previous report? Sure, Deirdre. Yeah. So every three years, the EPA produces our water quality uh, in Ireland report and it assembles all of the monitoring data that we collect over the previous three year period. And that's monitoring data for rivers and lakes and estuaries and coastal waters and groundwaters. And we monitor for lots of different parameters, including the chemistry and the biology and the fish and the physical condition of the waters and chemicals. And we put all of those together and we assess what the overall condition is of each and every water body. And we've about 5000 different water bodies in the country. So this report is a summary of all of the, the water quality monitoring data that we have and what that means for our waters. To the previous report, how has it compared, do you think, Jenny? So unfortunately, Deirdre, the report has shown that water quality is continuing to decline. Some categories have fared better than others in terms of different water types. So in general, our groundwaters and our coastal waters are in the best condition overall. Our Of our rivers, about half are in good condition and of our lakes, about a third or two thirds rather. Uh, the worst category in terms of water quality is our estuaries, and that's because they're at the bottom end of our catchments. And so they're the receiving waters, I suppose, for all of the human activities that go on upstream of them. So overall, our surface waters are about half in good condition and half not. Now, how that compares to last time around, the last report, which was published in 2019, a slight decline in most of the categories, but of biggest concern to us in the agency is that we've had the biggest decline we've seen in a long time in our estuaries and our coastal waters. So we've seen a 16% decline in water quality in our estuaries and 10% decline in our coastal waters, which is very disappointing. The other category declines are, are relatively small, but the estuaries really are a big issue for us now in this report. Jenny, is this report or the information in this report what goes to the EU Commission and I suppose the department have to go up there and then hold their hand up and say what we're doing or what we're not doing. Is it is that the way that goes? That's right, Cahill. Yeah. So we are, have to report our information to the European Commission. Absolutely. And the idea is that e each member state does that. And then each member state has to prepare a river basin management plan for all of the waters and put in place a program of measures to improve those waters to get them back to where they need to be in terms of good water quality uh, by 2027. That's the date set out in the Water Framework Directive for all member states to achieve good water quality in, in every water body. So it's a big ask for us when we're in a position where half of our waters are not where they need to be now and 2027 isn't really all that far away. But there are similar challenges in other member states too, it must be said. We're not the worst by any stretch uh, and, and there's a lot of work to do in all member states. We're talking about, so the, you have the, the the report tells us the issues and the river basin management plan is how we fix it. So I suppose looking at the report that you've just come up, it's it's based between 2016 and 21. Um, 
what were the main findings or issues in the report, I suppose, that we have to worry about, that we have to look at fixing? So the biggest uh, the biggest issue impacting our waters is excess nutrients. So that's excess phosphorus and excess nitrogen coming from a range of activities. Farming is the biggest contributor, but that's in some ways no surprise given that farming is the, the biggest land use that we have. But there are also nutrient sources in ur- from urbanized water, from domestic septic tanks, from runoff, from urban areas and from forestry and from other activities. So we do assessments uh, to figure out for each of our water bodies that have a nutrient problem, where those nutrients are coming from. And we can set out then exactly what uh, measures need to happen to address the sources of those nutrients in each of our water bodies. So the nutrients is really the main problem that we have. Second to that then would be uh, the, the physical habitat condition of our rivers. So, you know, are there good gravels, spawning gravels for the fish? Are, is there a good free-flowing clean water is the sediment being moved along and not gathering and those physical habitat conditions now are becoming increasingly important for supporting good healthy habitats so that's the second most important issue and the the sources of the problems there can be from digging or or dredging channels or from sources of sediment from we'll say roads or forestry activities or uh, sometimes cattle access points as well can cause that uh, so those sources of sediment are also then the second most important thing that we need to address. So could you tell us just a little bit about how agri- agriculture um, impacts um, and how is this in the report? So as I said, the, the, the main the main problem for us is nutrients and it's phosphorus and nitrogen. And those, when it comes to agriculture, the sources of phosphorus and nitrogen are Uh, excess runoff of manures and fertilizers, really, for the most part. And we have different problems uh, arising in different parts of the country, depending on the soils. So the freely draining soils in the south and southeast are very leaky for nitrogen, while the poorly draining soils, often in the northeast or the west, are more of a risk for phosphorus, where the phosphorus and the sediment also actually and the excess sediment runs off those poorly draining soils. So the types of measures then that are needed for agriculture are, are very dependent on the soils. So where we have a phosphorus problem in our freshwaters and the soils are poorly draining, it's about stopping the, the runoff overland with buffer strips or fences or uh, basically stopping the runoff, getting into streams and bringing the phosphorus and sediment with it. But then in the freely draining areas, which are are nitrogen leaky, which are in the south and southeast, the types of measures there are about losing less. So it's about being more efficient with the use of uh, nitrogen and uh, trying to get the nitrogen use efficiency up and then using less overall so that you lose less. Use less, lose less is the mantra. Yeah, on a nitrogen side of the house, I suppose myself and Deirdre are based in the southeast. So a lot of farmers we visit are probably moderate to intensive farmers and historically would have used a decent amount of nitrogen. But this year in particular, maybe it's down to fertilizer price, whatever, but they're really, they're, they're bragging about the amount of clover they have in fields and their reduction in nitrogen. So it's it, it's really positive for us to see that farmers are actually talking about, almost bragging about how much nitrogen they're able to reduce and still grow the same grass. So it's great. But there's one conundrum I have. It's only looking at the report. It, it says that in, in our estuaries, so 64% of them are either moderate or, or, or poor or bad condition, where not, not where they should be. 
but the groundwater is in reasonably good condition. And and considering the nitrate is each down, could you explain why why is that? Why isn't there groundwater in poor condition as well as the estuaries? That's a very good observation, Cahill. You're right. The groundwaters are reported as being in better condition, but there is a very simple reason for that, and that is because they're assessed against a different standard compared to the surface waters. So groundwaters are assessed in terms of how good they are for drinking water quality. And so the standard that we compare the concentrations of nitrate against is 50 milligrams per litre of uh, nitrate. And that would be very, very high. That would be a limit of probably five times higher than what's a, what's safe for ecosystems, for healthy ecosystems in our estuaries and our rivers. So when we compare the nitrogen concentrations against what we need for healthy ecosystems, then we're way over where we need to be in many of our estuaries and, and rivers. So it's down to the standards that we compare against. Yeah, look, it makes complete sense because I suppose when you look in the river and the nitrates are up, um, it's quite green with, with algae and growth. And uh, yeah, as, as, as humans, I suppose we can just take higher concentrations when we drink them, but not not too high. That's right. Absolutely. And we don't have too many uh, areas where our groundwaters are breaching the drinking water standard. Thankfully, there's a, a handful of, of uh, wells that would be over. But the, the amount of nitrogen that we have is just too high for our aquatic ecosystems and for healthy uh, e- ecosystems in our estuaries and rivers. Are we seeing um, elevated nitrate levels in different catchments over the in the country? We are absolutely. There's a there's a distinct pattern. If you drew a line across Ireland, we'll say between uh, Dublin and Limerick, on the south east side of that line, we have nitrogen concentrations that are too high and that are um, more increasing than decreasing. And then on the other side of that line in the northwest, then the main issue is phosphorus and sediment impacting on the biology. So very different issues in different areas down to the soils as well as the farming activities and also down to climate, too. So climate plays a very uh, strong role in how those nutrients move off the land and into waters. So rivers that are trying to get to a Q4 standard, for example, if there's elevated nitrate in them, they'll fail on that, won't they? They, It's it's all put into a big hopper. So the nitrogen, the phosphorus, the ammonium, the oxygen, the uh, all sorts of parameters are put into a hopper. And it's one out, all out is the phrase. So if you fail on any one of those uh assessments that we do you're out or you're you're less than good so there's as i said there's different issues in different areas depending on the soils and the how the humans are using the land so the bar is very high it is very high and and sometimes that can make it, it can mask improvements that are being made you know sometimes you can have a scenario where you're making improvements we'll say in nitrogen concentrations but the sediment is still not where it needs to be and that knock out the the biology. So it's it, it's I suppose that's the purpose of the directive, the water framework directive, and the way the monitoring is set up, is that it, it the idea is to have rounded, healthy ecosystems that cover all aspects of the ecosystems, and we're not it's not just one parameter we're looking at. Were there any positive findings in the report, Jenny? There were <laughs> there were positive findings. There are pockets around the country where there's great work being done, and I suppose one. One finding that will be of particular interest to yourselves is that we are continuing year on year to see 
a net improvement in the areas for action where LawPro and ASAP are working. And that's really positive. You know, that's bucking the trend really compared to what the national picture is like. Now, we can't still as as yet pin down exactly what that is uh, down to in terms of, you know, what's going on. Is it fencing or is it um, other activities that are going on on farm? Or is it actually also uh, there, there will also be contributions being made by the other land users in those areas fraction as well. So there's improvements being made in forestry, for example, and also um, within the septic tanks areas where there are septic tanks problems. So it's, it's lots of different a combination of lots of different activities going on at the same time in those areas for action. But overall, I think it's really positive that the, the targeted focused approach in those areas for action is bearing fruit even if we don't quite understand why yet. but And certainly ASAP is playing a very strong role in those catchments to uh, engage with the communities and the farming um, communities and getting the, the measures put in place to improve the situation. So it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah a lot of farmers that we meet, uh, what what they, they mentioned to me, and Deirdre would be interested in what they mentioned to you, but they just love having that crutch or that support if there is a question or an issue or Something that they wouldn't know anything about, maybe that because we, we're we have our ear on the ground to all the science is coming through, we, we can actually um give them some tips and hints and help. And they love that bit of support and they've never had it before, which is uh, certainly I think is a benefit. The only thing we're probably a little bit under-resourced, there's only, I know, is there 30 something of us across the country? There's 35 now at this stage, it's a, but yeah, that's that's a big right. country, yeah, a lot yeah. of farms. I suppose um, our advisors as well, you know, the Chagas advisors and the private planners that we engage with as well. They're doing great work too. You know, once the education is there and everybody sees what we're trying to achieve, I think, you know, that everybody together, you know, you'll get good results. Absolutely. And I think that's a really been a really positive aspect of the, the area for action approach. You know, that there's we do have limited resources. We'll always have limited resources, but making best use of those in in targeted areas is definitely seems to be bearing fruit, which is fantastic. Yeah. So we've had some positive, have to go a little bit back to the negative, unfortunately, but the, the report, it, it's not as positive as we'd like it. And that that's fair enough. We'll have to deal with that and we'll come up with that with the River Waste Management Plan. Hopefully it's sorted. But what are the main implications to our, our farmers now? Um, what needs to be done or, or what, what was, I know you recommended maybe additional um, inspections. Yeah. So the the call for additional inspections is actually uh, been driven largely by the commission as part of the derogation decision that we had. So the commission pointed out to Ireland that really we we're not as strong as we should be in the inspection side of the house. We're 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 strong in our advice and our ASAP approach, and they're very impressed with that. But we need to also back that up with a with a bit more strength in our. Uh, inspection side of the house. So the EPA has recently been given some new responsibilities to oversee, I suppose, and prepare a national agriculture inspection program for the local authorities so that we can uh, align, I suppose, our resources, use the risk-based framework and uh, try to get the best out of them in a coordinated way, the best out of our resources. So so the EPA is working on that at the moment, developing a national uh, agriculture inspection program. The, the local authorities are working away at, at the moment, uh, making the best use of the inspection resources they have. And I know there's a business case being prepared for potentially some more resources to help in that regard going forward. But 
that's all in development at the moment. But yeah, we will we will need to see uh, a, a stronger parallel focus on inspections. And I say parallel because inspections will never, uh, in my mind anyway, um, be a replacement for the advisory support that you mentioned earlier, Cahill. You know, that's a really important component as well of achieving good water quality. But we also always... I mean, it's a bit like the seatbelts, isn't it? We all know it's a good idea to wear our seatbelts, but you still always have in the back of your mind, mm, I better wear my seatbelt. The, the airbags, <laughs> any? <laughs> well, I suppose I'd be a little bit controversial now, but um, I, I'm just thinking, I know from some county councils um, or the local authorities that they have they have actual agricultural scientists uh, working in them, and but some don't have an agricultural scientist. And it doesn't make any sense to me if the biggest landmass is agriculture and it's one of the main problems and a lot of our county council or local authorities don't have an agriculture scientist in there to help with inspections, uh, or not just inspections, but support and collaborations. And I know from talking to, to some of the county councils and local authorities that they, they would love to have that that uh, breadth of, I suppose, knowledge to help them support their, their activities. Yeah, that's a good point, Carl. And uh, I, I think it's fair to say all local authorities would probably agree that the resources that they've had in the agricultural area have been dwindling over the last number of years uh, and haven't been replaced. So, as I said, there is a business plan being prepared by them at the moment by the local authorities collectively to to have a look really and see at all of the the resources that are needed in the water space. So not just ag inspections, but also bathing water inspections and inspection industry and all of the other tasks that they have on their plates to try and protect water and have a look at the resources that are needed to do all of those tasks properly. So that that business case is in development at the moment and will be uh, will be going to the department shortly, is my understanding. Do you think, um, Jenny, that we have realistic targets for reducing nitrogen or nitrate in affected catchments where um, agriculture is the main pressure? So the EPA produced a report in 2021 that set out the the targets for nitrogen reduction in waters that are needed. So we know in the south and southeast, we've got 13 catchments, uh, again, southeast of that line I mentioned earlier, where we need nitrogen reductions. And some of those catchments need more than others. The two catchments that need the biggest nitrogen reduction losses would be the Slaney and um, the Barrow, which are kind of Carlow, Wexford area. Uh, so th- those a, a lot of reduction is needed there. Um, and then there are other, I suppose, slightly less reductions needed then in the like of the the Nore, the Shore and the Blackwater. So that's kind of Cork, Tipperary and Kilkenny. So again, it's all in the south and southeast. So we know how many tonnes need to come down. We need to come down by in the water. The Nitrates Action Programme then has been strengthened to include uh, a, a lot of a, a high number of new measures which will uh, lead to reductions in nitrogen use on the land. And then I guess there'll be a small bit of wait and see to see how much of that reduction in use on land will translate to reduction in emissions in water because you've got all those kind of biogeochemical processes that go on in the soils depending on uh, the climate as well that we talked about that will eventually take the nitrogen from the land surface to the estuaries so yeah. so yeah there's a there has been a, a, a large strengthening of the nitrate uh, measures in the nitrate action program and we will hope to see uh, those bearing fruit in the water quality shortly uh, not to mention the the impact of the price of fertilizers which i'm sure is also f- 
front and centre of uh, all farmers' minds. And interesting, Cahill, you mentioned earlier about the clover and the mixed species swords. They're, they have huge potential uh, and hopefully, so long as the the extra nitrogen coming into the system with the clover and the mixed species is offset by a reduction in use of chemical, then hopefully over over time we'll see a reduction in losses as well. It'll be interesting to see in the near future now with the deluges of rain and the bad weather that we've had up to now, what the nitrate concentrations are going to be in the catchments. Absolutely, absolutely. There's, the, the rainfall is the way in which the nutrients get from the farmland into the into the water, whether it's pushing it pushing the nitrogen down underground into groundwater and its rivers, or whether it's pushing phosphorus over land and over the poorly drained soils. But night, rainfall is the key, and, and it has a big impact on what happens in our waters. You're right, Deirdre. And if it doesn't stop soon, we'll be farming rice in Ireland <laughs> anyway. So hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, look, always great to chat to you, and thanks a million for the update. I really enjoyed the chat today. Thanks very much. Yeah, you're very welcome, Carl and Deirdre. Thank you very much to you both. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Jenny Deacon, Manager of the Catchment Science and Management Unit in the EPA for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Carl Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability.